It's Eat Right Radio. It's all about eating right. Produced with the help of our friends at the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Here's Melanie Cole, MS. Well, you've heard there's so much controversy lately and in the media, butter is back. You can have as much bacon as you want. Well, you know, not so fast because there have been some flawed studies that get a lot of media attention, but they don't change most of the science behind nutrition recommendations. But what are some of the facts behind fats in particular? Is butter okay to have now? What about cholesterol and saturated fats? It can be a very confusing world. My guest is Sonia Angeloni. She is the owner of a nutrition consulting firm providing individual consultations, group programs, and corporate workshops. Welcome to the show, Sonia. So tell us a little bit about the fat controversy, cholesterol, saturated fat. What's going on in the world of nutrition today? Well, good morning. There is always a lot going on in the world of nutrition, especially in the world of saturated fat. And you know that we've gotten, it seems, mixed messages. And I want to clarify it a little because what's often confusing is really not not explain. I mean, we can explain why it's confusing. And I, I think what we need to do is go back to the mid-80s when it was looking like the research was suggesting that very low-fat diets were best for heart health. Now, low-fat diets can be good for heart health, especially for some people. There's certainly research that supports that. But what happened was the food industry sort of grabbed hold of that information and turned it into low-fat treats like low-fat, high-sugar foods are good for you. And that really wasn't the message that was intended to be conveyed at all. And so what happened is everybody sort of gleaned on to, well, as long as it's low-fat, then it's good for me. It's healthy. And so people started eating about 300 calories more of sugar a day. And what happened was that we started saying, hey, people on these low-fat diets aren't doing better. It looks like their LDL and possibly their risk for heart disease is going up. So it looks like low-fat diets aren't good after all. And what got translated from just a low-fat, heart-healthy diet of fruits and vegetables and beans and whole grains got translated to, well, just low-fat in general of being a high-sugar diet. And so what happened was we abandoned the low-fat mantra to, well, now fat is good, and if low-fat's bad, then high-fat must be good. And kind of bottom line is that you have to look at not only what you're eating, but if you're going to compare populations and groups of people, you have to look at what you're substituting. And if you have people that are eating fat, and then you put them on a low-fat diet, if you're substituting that fat with sugar, they're not going to do better. But if you're substituting it with heart-healthy fats and fiber and protein, then most likely they will be better. But everybody's individual and unique, and, you know, the best diet for one person isn't necessarily the best diet for the next person. Well, there's been so much talk. You know, for a while there was the Atkins diet, and that was like all fat and no sugars at all, not even the healthy, good carbohydrates. A tomato was off limit. A carrot was off limit. You know, nobody ever got fat eating those things. So there was that. with, And then we've come to the point where some people are saying, you know, it might not be quite as bad for you as we originally thought. People have been eating eggs for a thousand years. So what is the deal now, Sonia, with inflammation being that predictor of heart disease versus cholesterol levels? Are we still concerned with that? Well, you know, in terms of cholesterol levels, there is There are years and years of good data that suggests that if your cholesterol level goes up, your risk for heart disease goes up. But it all depends on where you start. And I think the assumption was made long ago that cholesterol in your blood was directly related to cholesterol in your diet. 
So the more cholesterol you ate in your diet, the more cholesterol went up in your blood. And then what we learned um, as technology advanced and science advanced, we realized that it's not an equal um, increase. So that your body has about a liter's worth of cholesterol. If you eat a half a liter, your liver will make the other half a liter because cholesterol is important. It's important for nerve transmission and conduction. It's important to make hormones. Um, what we know is that if you increase your dietary cholesterol, that your liver will make a little less to compensate. Now, not everybody does that, but most people do. And so the newest dietary guidelines that will be coming out in 2015, it looks like they're abandoning the recommendation to just decrease cholesterol because for the average person, eating cholesterol is really not a factor that's going to increase their risk for heart disease. Really, it's more about what, you know, what they're eating and not just what they're not eating. So we can have the occasional egg. I love eggs. I feed my kids eggs. Now, what about even things like shrimp is very healthy. It's a lean fish, but it does have cholesterol in it. Shrimp does have cholesterol. I don't, I'm not concerned about shrimp. First of all, we don't, we're not eating shrimp on a regular basis. But the other thing is shrimp is really low in saturated fat. And the problem with saturated fat, it's still an issue, but it decreases your LDL receptors. Um, And what happens is, is the more saturated fat you have, it decreases LDL receptors, which means the LDL can't be cleared from your blood. And the longer it stays in there, the more likely it is to get oxidized. And oxidized cholesterol leads to inflammation, which was, you know, back to your question. And what we're learning is that inflammation seems to be at the root of so many diseases, heart disease, even osteoporosis, possibly cancer, you know, diabetes. So really the goal of of eating a healthy diet is to really eat a diet that will decrease inflammation. What does decrease inflammation, Sonia? People ask me that question all the time. If someone were to come right to you and say, what foods can I eat to decrease inflammation? And we're not just talking about arthritis, people. We're talking about inflammation inside your body, plaques in arteries. Yes. What what foods are you talking about? Give, Give us some foods. Well, in general, we're looking at kind of a Mediterranean style diet. And although, you know, there are some guidelines that pertain to everybody, they don't, you know, we can't say that everybody should eat, you know, a higher fat Mediterranean style diet because there are some people that have a particular genetic predisposition to, it's their APOE um, genotype, but they have to have a lower fat diet. But the average person probably would do very well, would decrease their inflammation if they eat a Mediterranean style diet, which is really based on eating fresh fruits and vegetables that are minimally processed eating, you know, wholesome foods in general, eggs, you know, lean dairy, lean meats, poultry, and plenty of fish. And if you look at how we eat in general in this country, you know, we're going more towards processed foods. We're not eating much fish. If we do, it's like fish sticks that don't really have the benefit. So in general, everybody can benefit from eating more produce. And I do recommend eating fish, especially fatty fish, at least twice a week. Are there certain foods that you just say, yeah, that, you know, beets, pineapple, something, those really have really great. So you've said fish for sure. They've got those omega-3s. That's really great for us. What other foods? I, well, I would start with produce because in general we're edging out produce partly because we think it needs to be prepared, it needs to be cooked. But as you mentioned before, carrots. You know, I don't know anybody who's gotten sick or increased their inflammation or gotten overweight because of eating carrots. So I do recommend carrots. You know, ideally, I like to get them from the farmer's market. They're, you know, they're easy. They're not very big. They're really flavorful. And again, people eat because 
food needs to taste good. And if you get real wholesome, fresh foods, they taste good, you're going to eat them. So just have produce front and center, at least half your plate of produce, whether it be snap peas, carrots, you know, broccoli, steamed or raw, any kind, you know, and go for colors because we know that colors are really healthy. Um, Sweet potatoes, you know, it's a starchy vegetable. It gives you good energy for your exercise. It's not something that's going to get converted to sugar right away in your bloodstream. I recommend eating nuts, um, especially like almonds and walnuts. Walnuts are certainly anti-inflammatory. They have good, you know, alpha-linolenic acid, which is a type of omega-3 fat, which is found in fish. Almonds are really high in calcium. And there are so many studies that show that people who eat about an ounce or ounce and a half of nuts per day certainly get anti-inflammatory benefits, and they don't gain weight. So we don't know exactly if it's because nuts are satisfying because of the higher fat content, and maybe they're not snacking as often. We're not sure why. But we know that nuts are certainly, and seeds are a good thing to add. Well, these are all great foods, nuts and seeds, produce, fill your plate with the colors and the wonderful green leafies and carrots and produce and fish and lean meats. And yes, you can even eat eggs again. You're listening to Eat Right Radio with our good friends from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. For more information, you can go to eatright.org. That's eatright.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks for listening and stay well.